Hello and welcome to episode 299 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. We don't have Josh with us this week to talk about the first week of spring training, but that's all right. We got you two guys. How are you? Doing good, Mark. Like you said, finally, spring training games are underway. And um, I guess in a couple of days now, it's kind of it's going to feel like one of those just routine type of regular spring trainings where the first weekend's always exciting and now it's kind of just going to get annoying uh, within the next couple of weeks. But I mean, honestly, throughout the first week, we definitely have seen a lot of the everyday players playing um, pretty much every home game. A lot of the lineup's been a lot of regulars uh, that have been featured so far early on in the spring. And uh, some of the veterans have recently started playing like George Springer as well. So definitely getting a good uh, good first look at these guys this season. And of course, uh, a couple other things throughout camp with the rotation and everything like that. Things appear to be looking good so far. And uh, yeah, I mean, that first week's over and now we kind of just have to stick it out for another couple weeks here before the regular season starts. Yeah, it, it so far it's been I think pretty fun to watch. There's been a you know some storylines that aren't so great, some that I think are just entertaining. If like you're a sports fan, like well we'll get into with the whole Garrett Cole thing, but um, it, it, overall it's been a fun I think first week of spring training. But it's one of those things where like the diehards will watch it, we'll obviously watch it and pick apart what's going on. But eventually we're like yeah these games as much as they matter for like getting you ready for the season, there's only so much that a game in February and March actually does matter. So. Um, but whatever, like there still are things that we can talk about. And I mean, thankfully I would say like the rotation does look pretty good. Um, the rest of this team, a little bit concerning, but overall it is what it is. It, like it's spring training. The people, they're just getting their reps in at this point. Are you already hitting the panic button? One week into live game action. Yeah. That didn't sound very, no, that's no, the, uh, okay, the most yeah, that was a little thing bit more... I've ever heard. Okay, that was a little more dramatic than I ex- expected it to be. Well, I don't know. Um, no, I'm not actually concerned. Like I said, like this is, it's still a young-ish team, but it's more veteran than when it used to be. Uh, like the guys were first coming up, so like at this point, spring training's like just get ready for the season. You know, you've made the team, so nobody like actually cares about the results. But um, yeah, that, that's basically what I meant. I think that's what spring training is every year. But okay. Um... You mentioned Garrett Cole. Let's start with the Garrett Cole thing, because to me, this is, above all the stuff that's happening on the field, the most interesting thing to come out of the last week, week and a half. Um, And that is Friday night. It's a nighttime game against the Yankees at Steinbrenner Field. Um, Daniel Vogelbach hits a home run. It's a beautiful home run. His swing is incredible, and obviously, all of us feel great because it comes against Garrett Cole, division rival one of the greatest pitchers in baseball. It was a lot of fun. Uh, But then the next day, or I guess that night, we hear from one of the Yankees reporters, Brian Hoach. He says, Garrett Cole was no fan of Daniel Vogelbach's slow trot uh, in the first inning. And he said, quote, yeah, what's the day? Are we still in February, March 1st? Yeah, he enjoyed that homer. Asked if he would remember Vogelbach's trot during the season, Cole replied, I don't forget a lot of things. Um, Let's jump right in. Where you guys stand on this? What are your thoughts? Okay, here's the thing. I agree with the Yankees' perspective. I just think that, like, of course it's Garrett Cole. What do you agree with? What do you agree with? You got to be more specific. You agree that Daniel Vogelbach was too slow going around the bases? I agree with the whole showboating in the first week of spring training being kind of stupid. Like these games do not really matter. And this is somebody like with all due respect, 
is on a contract to like maybe get a job this season. So like I understand where he's like, okay, what are you doing here, buddy? Like it's 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 February. Uh, the, however, of course it's Garrett Cole crying like a little baby because of this. Like it's just, <laughs> it's I don't know. I just find it hilarious. Like it, I agree with getting mad, but it's like oh, of course it's Garrett Cole that wants to complain. He's the one that's you know always beefing with Manoa and like. What like you can have your opinion, whatever. I don't really care. If, like Garrett Cole's the one that wants to talk about like, oh, it's only February, but like his Yankees fell off last season, and really they haven't done anything of significance in the past decade. So like, whatever. But uh, I, anyways, I don't want to start beef over spring training, which I might have already started. But uh, well, it, Cole it's just started it, it, but... well, yeah, okay. But um, it's just it's hilarious to watch, and it's one of those things where like I'll watch the clip and like I'll, I'll give. Daniel Vogelback credit like it was a good home run it's off of a good pitcher but it's just it's just so stupid in my opinion also kind of funny that this argument just started over the first inning of like the first week of spring training so we'll have to see where this uh where this goes I mean the uh the MLB like the the online like the fan media like this everyone seems to pull out Blue Jay quotes and try to pick them apart as the season goes on so We'll see how this, uh, I think, transpires. Like, Garrett Cole wants to talk about significant significant gains. We'll have to see uh, what he actually does in those games when they are significant. Okay, do you do you actually think that Vogelbach showboated, though? I can see where they're coming from, but I also don't really think that he did. Like, I'd be annoyed okay. personally if I saw, like, whoever do it off of, you know, any Blue Jay pitcher. But, like, I'd also realize, like, ah, who really cares? It's spring training. Okay. Um, first of all, to answer your question, or I mean, what you were talking about at the end there, Jacob, if anything's going to happen when the games count, I can almost guarantee if Vogelback makes a team and everything like that, I don't expect anything, Garrett Cole. I don't think he's going to do anything about it in terms of throwing at him or any sort of retaliation. Um, I just, yeah, it's. I, I think it's a typical uh, overreaction from Garrett Cole, despite obviously how good he is on the, on the mound. But I think the one thing we all need to recognize here is that, and I mean this with all due respect, is Daniel Vogelback is 270 pounds. So I don't know how fast <laughs> he wants him to go around the bases. And on top of that, if you look on previous home runs that he's hit in the past and everything like that, which I did, I went back and looked at a lot of stuff. Not Honestly, nothing seems different in terms of the trot <laughs> the pace and even i guess like his follow-through or dropping the bat like maybe he you know he dropped the bat a little bit more dramatic or he but usually he does that though almost every home run he hits so what i'm trying to say is as much as it may look from somebody who hasn't watched him a lot may look like it's dramatic it just seems like a routine type of thing uh from daniel vogelback of what he's done throughout his career so those are the two things i pointed out again i don't know how fast he wants him to go but a lot of this seems similar to what he usually does in the past. So that's kind of the part where I scratch my head at. And no, I don't think he was showboating whatsoever. I think he hit a home run, regardless if the games count or not. You you mentioned to Jacob, he's in a much different situation than a guy like Garrett Cole. He's fighting for a position on this team. And um, if Garrett Cole doesn't or has a problem with it, it just comes back to the same thing. No matter if it's February, March, or if it's in September, 
don't give up the home run if you have a problem with the way he goes around the bases. I think it's free game when you go around the bases like that. And I'm not saying, you know, to completely showboat and take your time if there's no context behind anything. But I think Volgobach earned the right to do what he usually does, which is that usual home run trot he does. And it doesn't make any difference to me if it's in February or September because he never did anything over dramatic, uh, in my opinion, from what I saw and uh, based off what he's done in the past. So, I also bring it back to that point: is if he has a, if he really has a problem with it, then make sure simply make sure it doesn't happen. Um, no matter where where the game is, when the game is, what the significance is of the game, it's pretty it's pretty plain and simple. So yeah, uh, it didn't take long for this. I guess I don't know if you want to. Call, I guess you can call it a rivalry between the Jays and the Yankees. There's always stuff throughout the years that come up uh, throughout the midseason and everything like that. You mentioned the Alec Manoa stuff, uh, Jacob, and there's been lots of stuff. Little things too, though, over the last couple of years, where it just feels like both teams get ticked off at little things that they do to each other. So it definitely was a bit fast tracked this season, and I'm sure there's going to be stuff that come up throughout the year. But I, in terms of this situation in particular, I I really don't expect any sort of uh, further action to be taken from Garrett Cole or anything like that, you know, when these guys do, when these uh, teams do see each other in the regular season. Yeah, I really hope not. That would be absurdly dumb in my mind. Like, I think it's absurdly dumb in the first place that Garrett Cole thinks Daniel Vogelbach was rubbing this home run in his face for a couple of reasons, because a, everyone knows it's the first week of spring training. Like just as much as Garrett Cole is upset that Vogelbach is apparently taking too long with his home run trot. Vogelbach knows this is the first week of spring training and he's fighting for a job. Like, these are not people who have their heads stuck in the sand and don't know what baseball is. Like, they both know it's the first week of spring training. They both know it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I think it's ridiculous, first off, the premise that Vogelbach is even showboating or purposely going slow or whatever. Like, this is just who he is. Like, Daniel Vogelbach, you think he's... Running slow around the bases? Yeah, he is. He's Daniel Vogelbach. That's what he does. It's uh, it, it seems ridiculous for Garrett Cole to, to read anything into this. But yeah, second off, based off of that, I think it'd be really absurdly, absurdly dumb if Garrett Cole did anything in the regular season. Like, And imagine how terrible a look that would be. Like This, to me, is very dumb. Him speaking out about the unwritten rules about ba- of baseball in the middle of spring training. But it'd be even more dumb if he took action on that and threw a pitch at Daniel Vogelbach or whoever on the Blue Jays because of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess. We've seen similarly dumb things or even more dumb things in the past. But yeah, I think uh, it's, it's spring training. None of this matters. There's no way Daniel Vogelbach was actually doing anything. And honestly, if he was, like, whatever. This is baseball today. This is how the game works. Suck it up, Garrett Cole. Get used to it. Uh, do you have to like it? No. Like, no Jays fan liked when Troy Tulowitzki took a little bit longer on that home run or double or whatever he hit a couple years ago in spring training after he told the Blue Jays he would never move off shortstop and then he signs with the Yankees and instantly moves off shortstop. Like, no one liked that. But then again, we weren't talking about throwing pitches at him in the regular season. So, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous to be even having this conversation. It is, frankly, absurd. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel, feel like we'll look back on it like later in the season and just think, like, this is just so stupid. And um, I really hope nothing boils over. Like, I mean, we've seen it 
uh, this is a completely different scenario, but we've seen it. You know, remember those those Rangers and Blue Jays, that whole thing, um, the beef that carried over from 2015 into 16. Obviously, very different. I'm not trying to even suggest that those are similar at all, but who knows? I mean, we've seen stupid things get carried over in the past, but I really hope that this doesn't because it just it would look like like I'm saying this for, like the Yankees would look bad. Like I would be embarrassed if if this was the opposite side where you see like Manoa throwing at. I don't know, judge or, or whoever, because they took too long on a home run in spring training. So let's just hope it doesn't. And like at the end of the day, like throwing at people, just these stupid things, like you can just like players can get hurt and there's really no need for any of it. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. It just comes down to something that overall is dumb. But I mean, if you actually look at the home run itself, though, like credit to Vogelback, though, like he did crush it. It was 370 feet, I think. It's what it came in at. And it just, he destroyed it. So, you know, it was a really, maybe that also came uh, with it. Maybe he just, it was just like instant thing that Garrett Cole did to try and, I don't know, maybe just because of how, much he crushed that baseball um, from Vogelback. Maybe it was his kind of way to deal with it at the beginning in, in terms of how he reacted. I'm not sure, but it does come down to something um, that is just overall dumb, and hopefully that's the end of that, and we never really have to talk about that again. So, I mean, and overall for Vogelback, too, he's had, he, he actually has had a decent start to the spring uh, overall, not just that game as well. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure he, he's definitely in contention to be uh, make, or for one of those last roster spots, and he's obviously got to play – um, well throughout the rest of the spring and he's going to get plenty of opportunities so definitely a good start uh, for him as well though overall uh, throughout the spring and you know what like maybe this is just Garrett Cole playing mind games with the Blue Jays or something I don't know um, but yeah on the face of it absurdly dumb and I mean good for Daniel Vogelbach for that home run and as you say the start that he's had to spring training so far it seems like he is well on his way to earning one of those extra roster spots that the Blue Jays have um Okay, let's talk a little bit about Alec Manoa. We saw him on the mound for the first time this past week in a game against the Detroit Tigers. The Blue Jays lost 6-4, which ultimately, of course, does not matter. And even the results that Manoa had on the mound, to a large extent, don't matter. This is spring training. Pitchers are working on things. It is not their final form. But with that in mind, we're going to look at his line. It was 1.2 innings, 3 hits, 4 and runs, 1 walk, 0 strikeouts, and he hit a couple batters as well. Um... I don't know. What do you make of that? Like, I, I guess it's impossible to look at this start in isolation. We also have to look at the news that came down a couple days after it where we heard that Alec Manoa felt some shoulder soreness during a bullpen session and he cut it short. Um, according to Key Matheson, he didn't really bounce back the way he wanted to after that start against the Tigers. Um, an MRI showed no structural damage which is good, but the Blue Jays are taking it day-to-day right now. So it doesn't seem certainly to be major at all. Um, seems kind of be a similar situation that Ricky Tiedemann was in day-to-day, something that you just got to kind of take your foot off the pedal a little bit and nurse for a couple days in the middle of spring training. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What are your takeaways from his start? Are you concerned by this injury news? Like, where do you stand on how Alec Manoa's camp has gone for the first week or so? I'll be honest. Like, I'm I'm a little bit more concerned than, than you guys might be. Well, because, like, here's the thing. We obviously know what happened last season. Um, whether the shutdown because of an injury at the end of the season was actually true or whatever, uh, he needs to be better this season. Like he's, it's pretty obvious that he's like he's not given a job. He has to earn that job. Uh, and the fact that he threw what seventeen 
strikes out of his 38 pitches, um, like that's not good. Like he ha- he didn't have the command. He's hitting batters. Um, like I get it. It's early. It's spring training. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning, guys are just working on their mechanics at this point. But Alec Manoa, like he's had all off season to work on his mechanics after how bad last season was. And like I hope. It is just a little injury, maybe a tiny, tiny setback, and then he's back to form. But this can't be something that lingers or else, like, I hate to say it. He, who knows if he even starts the season with the Blue Jays if this continues? Because, like, he can talk, like, he clearly, like, he knows how to say the right thing. Like, all the pressure, the the, the tires, the they don't give out World Series rings in AAA. Like, he has the personality to be a major leaguer. He just hasn't performed that way for pretty much a year now, and... I'm hoping it is just a little setback, you know, like I said, it's early in spring training, so you just get, you know, worked back up, uh, get the stamina back, but if it's whatever it is, it's going to need to be figured out soon because, like, the Blue Jays are not in a position where they can continuously put him out there if he's going to pitch this terribly um, in the regular season because, like, <clears throat> we talk about this team, like, maybe not World Series aspirations right now, but they are expecting to be competitive, and if you were you have a weak link on your team, you can't have that, that weak link playing. So like, I hate to say this cause like Alec Manoa is one of my favorite players on the team, but he like, th- this is a thing where I'm just, I'm getting a little concerned, like has the off season work really worked out and we'll have to see uh, what transpires in the next, like I guess week or two. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm concerned too, but I'm not like overly concerned cause I will give him the benefit of the doubt as much as, the signs were terrible, and I know everyone will point to that. It is again, it is the first start of the spring, and he is going to get multiple opportunities there. Everything goes well, but yeah, I mean, he definitely it definitely started in probably one of the worst possible ways he could. I mean, it was a perfect Tuesday afternoon in Lakeland. The game wasn't on TV, so not a lot of people were exactly watching him, or nobody was on TV other than the people that were there. So I felt like it was a good way for him to start the spring, and just yeah, nothing real, nothing really good came out of it, despite. I would say maybe the velocity because the velocity was up and he was hitting 95 a lot with his fastball. And that's usually something where he doesn't go that he usually doesn't throw uh, 95 based off uh, years prior. So that was probably the only good thing that came out of it. If you want to nitpick anything, of course, that came out good about it from that. But Jacob, you went over it too. the command wasn't there. And it just seemed to be a lot of the same in terms of situations where um, he's throwing a lot of balls and then he's throwing at people. He threw at three people. And I think one of the first batters or that first inning alone, he loaded the bases with nobody out. So like it was just right out of the gates again. um, Terrible in terms of that, in terms of allowing base runners and everything like that. And the other thing too is that we saw the signs of this as well last spring with Manoa, but we were doing the whole thing of kind of downplaying it because it was spring training rightfully so but that's the part where I'm also concerned about because now that could be back-to-back seasons where this sort of stuff is happening in the spring again and it just from there it was a downward spiral so we're we're yet to see how he's going to react to it um at the moment Mark you talked about it with the shoulder soreness that he experienced so at the moment he's going to be I guess shut down until everything um everything kind of just goes away on its own and maybe it's expected because it is it was his first pitched game um in quite a long time I know you were talking about it to Jacob a little bit 
the whole thing last year where uh, he was sent down to AAA, but a month later he reported, and then he didn't really get into much games down there. He was just kind of there. So maybe that was a little bit expected, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure he's going to be okay. It's early on in the spring. And the other thing, too, to note is if he's not ready for opening day, um, a lot of people were kind of turning to uh, turning their heads to Yariel Rodriguez, who they expected if, it will, if it's not going to be Manoa because it feels like it's his job to lose – Perhaps it'd be Rodriguez, and he's also going through some um, some little injury problems as well. So he's yet to pitch. I think it's back spasms he's going through right now. So that kind of leaves that whole that fifth spot a question mark if this shoulder soreness turns out to be a little bit more than what it is with Manoa. But we don't want to, I guess, overstep that at the moment. And I guess we'll kind of leave it there. And then, of course, if you want to talk about with what Manoa said afterward in terms of his first start, he felt good in terms of, and he I'm sure this was also him downplaying it a little bit where in terms of his overall performance, but he said he was focused on locating a slider and everything like that, and he felt good about that. So, you know, it was, he was kind of given the impression that that was his only, I guess, focus from that start on Tuesday. Again, do I believe him fully? Probably not. Um, but, of course, I think that's expected for him to to kind of point away or point towards the, po- the, the few positives that came out of that start, which would be that, I guess, because that was his intentions. And then, of course his uh, velocity, which was up a little bit uh, compared to what we've seen throughout his career. So besides those two things, and pretty much that one thing in particular, actually, not a lot of good stuff to come out of there from him. And I am anxious to see how he bounces back whenever his next start will be. And I think there's a lot of people that are definitely overly concerned right now. There's a lot of people that are a little bit concerned. And I think that's where kind of most people are at because we want to give him the benefit of the doubt. We want to see him pitch you know more than just the one spring training game and see if he can kind of bounce back and kind of go upwards from here so that'd be perfect if he can slowly get better towards opening day and um we you know it just it's really needed obviously for him to bounce back and um get back to his former at least you know anything better than what was happening last year and I just I remember the quote and Jacob you had to remind me about the the, the world series rings or the rings whatever in AAA and it just it's not it for me overall just bad vibes right from the start on this entire situation so uh we'll see what happens see wow. maybe the key is just like stop saying things to make you sound like you know what you're talking about to the media because okay but i don't like know that, that quote wasn't even like it was, <laughs> i don't know we talked but about it on this podcast. we things, though That's, we, like we, jacob said they look for it i don't know i Okay, there's like two sides to this to me. There's the rational part of me which wants to think, like, no, this is a the first spring training start. This is still, you know, last week of February, first week of March. Like, that's the rational side of me, rationalizing the fact that there's still a lot of time to go. None of this means anything. No spring performance means anything until you get to the final week and people are talking about starters earning jobs or you know kind of the 24th 25th 26th guy on the bench earning a job like none of it matters outside of that so that's the rational part of me but as you explained Bryson the irrational part is thinking that you know Manoa is coming off a terrible season he apparently dealt with injuries down the stretch he was not himself or maybe he was himself if that's himself but uh, the point being, his performance wasn't there last season. He had a terrible season. We're looking to spring training to see a bounce back, and we're not seeing it. So that's kind of the split. I I don't think I'm worried yet. 
I think if this extends maybe another week or two, then we start having scary conversations. But at the same time, like I was talking about this before spring training, the Blue Jays don't have starting pitching depth. And I've always been concerned about that. And this is exactly why. Like there was always a situation where Manoa doesn't perform or someone like Chris Bassett gets injured or whatever it may be. Like there was always a situation where something goes wrong and you need to have a backup plan. And this is why I think the Blue Jays were partly not built the way they should have been in the offseason because they didn't have a backup plan for something like this happening. They don't have a next man up. And I know Bowden Francis has been getting a lot of hype in spring training so far, and rightfully so. I mean, he had a great season last year out of the bullpen. Maybe he's the next guy up, and maybe he can prove over the next couple weeks in spring training that he's available available to be stretched out, an effective stretched out Um I don't know. It just seems like the Blue Jays don't have a clear backup plan. And that's what makes me the most nervous about this. Because something like this was always going to happen. Um, It's just they need a backup plan because it's inevitable. That's kind of where I stand on this. No, I I agree with you. And, like, that's the issue with how bad this offseason was. Like, even we'll get to it. Like, they didn't sign Chapman. They didn't really sign anybody. So, you're kind of like you're... If everything goes right, if you can bank on who you have uh, that took you to where you were last year, minus the playoffs, we know what happened there. But like, if you like, if you have a good rotation, you have good defense, you have even just better offense. This is a good team. But if Manoa goes down, if you know players are not performing the way they're supposed to be, like you just you don't have that depth. And maybe the, they do have the depth. We just haven't seen it yet. Obviously, Rodriguez uh, needs some needs to get stretched out. Not sure what's going to happen with Tiedemann. Uh, you mentioned Bowden Francis. So like things could work out, but as of right now, we don't know if they will. And I think that's just what's so concerning is this is a team that, you know, like I said earlier, I don't know if it's World Series aspirations, but deep playoff runs is the absolute bare minimum f- for what what is expected of this core. So things are ne- going to need to be figured out or else this might be a very, very disappointing season. And it'll, you know, I don't want to call it specifically the offseason's fault, but I, I don't know what else to blame it on. Like you, you know what your needs are and you don't go tackle them. I'll say this as much as we are concerned, a little bit concerned. It sounds like all of us a little bit, at least I will say the one thing is yes. In terms of the rational thing that you're talking about, Mark, it is, we will give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the rest of the spring because that's what spring training is. And that's what spring training's for. So regardless of people believe it or not, that's just kind of the reality of it is you have to give him as much time as you can throughout this entire month because he's going to be pitching a lot. And I know he was supposed to pitch today in Fort Myers on Sunday uh, against the Red Sox. So again, his next start is kind of up in the air to be determined. So hopefully it's only a couple of days and hopefully by, I guess, maybe around at least or at the earliest, the middle of next week, he can get back out there. And I'm sure he's probably anxious to get back out there too, because again, it wasn't exactly the greatest start, um, but if he can build off of what he wanted to with the slider, like he said, and if his velocity was up, perhaps that's something for him to look forward to, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like, that's another part of this. It's so hard to judge his performance when we didn't see any of it. I mean, like, we can talk about, like, the, the 17 balls, or what was the number, Jacob? 17 strikes, 33 pitches. No, 17. Well, 38 pitches, 17 uh, balls. Okay. Or, sorry, yeah, 17 which, strikes. Like, what am I saying? Either way, that ratio is not great. Yeah. That's not something you want to have. Like the two, three hit batters, you you don't want to have that either. Like the, those, on the face of it, these are not good stats. And of course, the injury is not good. But 
we do, again, have to give it the benefit of the doubt because we didn't see any of this. Like, apparently his velocity looked good. Um, I guess his location was what was missing, uh, but at least his velocity had a tick up, which I guess we should kind of expect given all the work he put in in the offseason and his conditioning and how he entered spring training looking. It's kind of that best shape of your life thing. So we should have expected that, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's... Uh, I, I'm not ready to to put a verdict either way on Alec Manoa, and I, I think we can pump the horses on that and, and wait a week or two and then see what happens. Um, okay, let's talk about the other thing you mentioned, Jacob, um, and that's the failure of the offseason because uh, Matt Chapman, the uh, long unemployed Matt Chapman, the guy who rejected a qualifying offer of one year $20 million from the Blue Jays, rejected a an extension, I guess, when he was with the Oakland Athletics, and then apparently rejected a six-year, $120 million deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. He is now signed with the San Francisco Giants for three years, $54 million. And uh, basically, this has led everyone in Blue Jays camp to go, where is Ross Atkins? Why is Ross Atkins not signing this deal or not offering three years, 60 million to someone like Matt Chapman when he was worth apparently six years, 120 million to this team not so long ago. According to Scott Mitchell of TSN, they offered him that contract over the past year. Um, do you guys have any answers where Ross Adkins is? Why the Blue Jays didn't pull the trigger on something like this when, he, when he's coming so cheap um, to the San Francisco Giants? I think this is maybe the first time ever the three of us don't have an answer that is, like, good. Because, like, all I can think of is Ross Atkins, like, oh, you know, we're comfortable with the core, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're comfortable with... Oh, we're know. very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, like okay, don't get me wrong. Like, there, there is things to be excited about. But, like, when you're in win-now mode, it's not, hmm, let's see if these prospects are good. No, it's like you have, like, yeah, the prospects can play, but... I'd bring back Matt Chapman and like it one thing I will say is Scott Boris is kind of an idiot like the fact that the fact that he was offered over a hundred million dollars and he signs for just barely over half of that (laughs) same thing with Cody Bellinger like this dude whatever fair enough he wants to get his guys his money or their money but um very concerning (laughs) like I I'm not saying that I'll make it to the show, but like he would not be my agent. Um, but uh, <laughs> as if that matters. But anyways, like I don't know. Thank what's, you for that. <laughs> I don't know what's up with Ross Atkins. Like I, I really don't know. So I'll just leave it at that. Like you should have gone out and got this guy. I, I will uh, just admit that I was wrong last episode when I was saying I trust Scott Boris. He's doing what he's doing. He wouldn't be doing this if he wasn't getting more money because of it. I was wrong. Um, he did not get more money because of it. I have, yeah, I, I have a couple of main takeaways here. First of all, Matt Chapman and Scott Boris, yes, are both dumb for how this whole thing played out. The second thing I'll say is Scott Boris is clearly washed up in 2024 <laughs> in terms of the deals he's been getting with his clients. Um, like it's, a, it's an identical type of structure compared to what Cody Bellinger got. And it's basically opt out after opt out after opt out. So, any sort of good season that these guys are going to have is obviously going to be opted out. And it's obviously a player-friendly deal. But yeah, like when you look at these numbers and then now when you want to put it back towards the Blue Jays because of that whole offer they gave them in November, 
there's there's a lot of questions. First of all, we already know that Matt Chapman probably should have taken that deal, and if it were, if there was a do over, he probably would have, uh, based based off how, how the entire process went for him. But now, if you want to focus again on the Blue Jays here, this makes absolutely no sense about how, especially in November, as much as we may have all gotten pump faked about the Hotani thing, on top of wanting to pay $700 million or whatever it was to Shoya Otani. On top of that, they were willing to go over $100 million to bring back Matt Chapman. And then all of a sudden, the Otani thing goes away. And after that, there was absolutely nothing in terms of spending. It was just Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and it was just Justin Turner. Pretty much that happened afterward. And then some minor things. And of course, Yariel Rodriguez happened after that too. So why there was no sort of why the Jays didn't re-engage with Matt Chapman over $54 million. It makes zero sense to me at all. I don't know. I, I do wonder what the whole process was on that. If the Jays actually did try, cause I, I don't think we know in terms of that. The only thing that we do know is that offer that came in November. And for my, my entire stance on the Chapman situation for me, was that, and maybe you guys disagree with this, but this is how I saw it is that, at the beginning of the offseason, I was fine with perhaps them going in a different direction. And, you know, we kept hearing reports about how this team was willing to, or this team was, you know, really anxious to make a big move. And, you know, it feels like it's every offseason we hear that. And there was tons of people talking about it. The Jays are active. They're picking up the phone. You know, they're really exploring opportunities and alternatives, as Ross Atkins would like to say. And then all of a sudden, pretty much nothing substantial comes out of it with all due respect to a guy like Justin Turner and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Because again, Justin Turner, I think, is a good addition to the lineup. But that's pretty much all that was done. And then that brings me back to the point where if that was all they were doing, this team is just as good as last year or maybe a little bit better if you bring back Matt Chapman uh, besides or you know otherwise letting him walk. It, it just The entire process for me makes zero sense on where on why the finan- financially they wouldn't pivot towards, you know, settling for $54 million and why there was just, it just didn't feel like there was any sort of urgency to try and, you know, add another bat like we were talking about all off season. And, you know, on paper, this team is definitely not as good as they were last year, I don't think. And, and if they are, it's very similar to last year. It's not a step forward by any means in terms of a large one. So this entire thing is very confusing and strange and I would like to know if the Jays did try and bring him back for that fifty more $54 million. Because if they did, then they did. And clearly Chapman just preferred to go back to the West Coast. And if not, it just makes this thing even more dumb um, from the beginning of the offseason until now. Yeah, it really makes me question, like, I, I don't know. It seems like the money just isn't there at all. Like, for me, it seems like there's no other reason why the Blue Jays wouldn't re-engage. Like, unless we're just totally out of the loop and they did and they offered some sort of comparable contract and he wanted to go to San Francisco or maybe they would off- offer the same contract without the opt-outs or... I don't know. Like, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But from the outside looking in, it seems really strange. And the only reason I can think of is because the money wasn't there from Rogers, which, like, the money was there with $700 million with Shohei Otani and... Um, whatever, how much did they offer Turner one year, 15, uh, or 12 or yeah, somewhere around there. there or two years, 15 for IKF. Like the money was there. And like, we're not talking that much more now for someone like, like 
one year of Justin Turner around 15 million, three years of Matt Chapman around 54 million. That's not too far off AAV. Plus, if he has a good first season, he's opting out after one year 20. Like, I I don't know. It, it just it seems really strange. I can't wrap my head around why the Blue Jays wouldn't be involved in the conversation other than just the money absolutely wasn't there. And Ross Adkins was completely telling the truth when he said, uh, at this point, it's addition by subtraction. So I guess credit to Ross for telling the truth and actually being honest, because that seems to be really the case. It seems like, I mean, other than some absolute disaster class of free agent moves, I just can't, that's the only reason I can come up with it. It's just that they didn't have the money to work with. So I, I don't know. And I do think like, this is not an ideal contract for a team. Like as much as a, of a bargain as it is, like you think about it, it, he has an opt out after every season. So if he performs well, the first year when he's getting $20 million, he's going to opt out and you only get one season of him. If he performs poorly, then you're stuck with, uh, paying him $20 million that season. Plus it's like 18 and 16 after that or somewhere around there. So like, it, it's not a perfect contract for a team, but it's still a bargain for one of the best defensive players in baseball who has some offensive upside. Like, I don't know. I really can't wrap my head around why the Blue Jays wouldn't be involved in this. If they actually weren't, I think I am more confused than ever. I guess, like, and I don't think this is a very good point, but I'm just going to bring it up because I thought about it. I guess maybe after the um, the November-December discussions, they realized, okay, this guy clearly doesn't want to come back. And then just decided, even if he wanted to come back at a reduced rate or had to settle for a reduced uh, payday, they just weren't in that conversation. But still, like, that's like, why not? Like, yeah, fine. You can say we didn't want to be here. Um, we're not going to offer you a contract, even though you're, you're, it's more of a short-term deal rather than long-term deal. But I still don't get it. Like, like I said, you, or like we've all kind of mentioned and gone all like last season into this season. This is a win now mode. I don't know how you win now if you have, you know, I guess like half your infield still needing to prove itself. Yeah. Or IKF is your starting third baseman. Maybe that's, maybe like Ross Atkins just totally sold on IKF and he wants him starting. With all due respect, I don't want that to happen. Like, I don't want to picture a world with that. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's all I'm gonna say on that. I don't like. I, I don't want to hate on the guy, but like, no, it just yeah, it, it doesn't. It none it's of not it an makes addition, sense. I don't or not a. I I don't get it. No. So maybe the, again, maybe there's more to it, which would make us understand this a little bit more. But yeah, like I think even last, I I feel like there was another situation. It might have happened in season where around the All Star break where the Jays actually tried extending Chapman as well mid season. I think I remember seeing something about that I don't know for sure and yeah that's twice now obviously he rejected both offers so yeah I mean maybe it just had something to do with him wanting to go back to California I don't know that would make more sense in terms of if the Jays were willing to you know I guess match the Giants offer or maybe go a little bit more but regardless it's pretty much the drop-off in terms of that extension offer and then to where this came from if that's the other thing like it just other than those two factors, it, none of it makes sense in terms of why the money was there in November and why the money all of a sudden disappeared afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, this infield's definitely going to look a little bit different in terms of what's been, you know, people moving around uh, at third base and, the, and at second base. So 
Um, it's going to be, yeah, and already right now as well in camp, I know not everyone's going to make the team, but there's a logjam already uh, in terms of that infield. And we were talking about a guy like Vogelback earlier. He's part of that logjam in terms of who's going to make the team in those final bench spots. And then there's uh, Connor Falefa, there's Eduardo uh, Escobar as well, who's also fighting for a spot. So we'll see. And then there's Espinal, there's Biggio, who we haven't even seen yet in spring training. Uh, and there's Davis Schneider as well. So it's a, definitely a logjam in terms of ways to replace Chapman, but still some questions that got to be answered even after the fact that Chapman wasn't brought back in terms of what it is going to look like uh, this season. Yeah, it's uh, perplexing for sure. Um, okay, with that, we will wrap up this episode and uh, get to the Blue Jays' spring training game today against the Red Sox, which we are looking forward to the first of the season against Boston. Um as always, you can support our podcast by finding us on social media. It's at Section138Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Subscribe there. Pass us along to a friend. Anything helps. Uh, we will catch you after another week of spring training action. See you then.